You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Pushkin. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by actor Ram Sharan. He's the star of a new film called RRR, which was recently nominated for an Oscar in Best Original Song making it the first-ever homegrown Indian film to be nominated in that category. Since the film's release last March, the three-hour Indian epic has become a global sensation, first grossing more than $160 million at the box office before heading to Netflix, where it is reported to be one of the most watched films in the history of the platform. When it comes to the movie itself, though, Charan plays an Indian police officer in pre-independence Delhi. But through a series of twists and turns, Sharan's docile officer transforms into a superhuman freedom fighter, waging an armed campaign against British colonial rule. What ensues are a series of inventive, remarkably designed set pieces that harken back to an earlier era of action movie making. The combat is innovative, the editing is considered, and the dance-offs, yes, there are dance-offs, are so propulsive and synchronistic, you'd think they were performed by robots. And yet, under the direction of filmmaker S.S. Rajamole, RRR is squarely, above all, a human feat. 
If you've yet to see the movie, it's recently been re-released in theaters across the country ahead of the Oscars this Sunday. You can also, of course, stream the film on Netflix. As for today, I wanted to talk to Ram about anchoring alongside actor NTR Jr. what is now considered the most expensive movie in the history of India. We also talk about the viral Natu Natu dance number, the country's emerging film industry, coming of age as the son of famous movie star Chiranjeevi, and how, through the years, he's paved a path for himself. This is Ram Sharon. Ram Sharon. Yeah. Welcome to Los Angeles. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I'm so happy to be here. It is an honor to have you here. And I want to start with, how are you feeling in this moment? Because it's my understanding that you just finished observing Diksha. Yeah. For those unfamiliar, what does that entail? So it's been uh, 15 years I've been following this uh, penance, and it's for 48 days. It's a spiritual way of living in Hindu. Basically, no non-veg. We have a dress code just to let others know that I am following something. It's just to tell them that, you know, we cannot play around. We sleep on the floor. We have shower with ice cold water only. So basically, no luxury, no richness, nothing that comforts you in an everyday life. And we don't touch women and not definitely not my wife. It's very, very difficult, but it's also very rewarding uh, mentally and physically. You said that it's a kind of detox holiday. It is a little beyond detox. It is, you have to do it to understand the the results of it. Like saints do it for years together. Mm -hmm. Obviously we can't because we are living in this world and we just do this actually for myself. Some do it for the love for that particular God. But I personally think it's for uh, discipline. And as an actor, I think, we are so distracted by so many things like parties and other things, the shoot. This just grounds me. And this just shows the sense of gratitude when I'm doing this. There's a lot of uh, gratitude. There's a lot of giving back to the world. And this brings me back to normal. In this journey that you're talking about, what did you discover at this point in your life about yourself in the last 48 days? It happens every time I do this uh, you have some kind of revelation, some kind of thought, some kind of journey that happens. And this time, I think it's a new step forward in my career, coming to your land, the Mecca of films, Hollywood, Los Angeles, and able to absorb this and do the right thing in the right way when I'm here. And that has given me strength the last 30 or 40 uh, something days when I did this. It's actually given me the strength to go ahead to LA and perform the best I can and not vary and not get distracted. Well, why don't we talk about why you're here, which is this excellent film of yours, RRR. Since coming out last March, it has become this global sensation. And, and for context, the film is set in pre-independence Delhi during the 1920s mm -hmm. and stars you and NTR Jr. as Telugu revolutionary leaders that eventually team up against the British Empire. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the picture does feature you and NTR Jr. is pretty unusual in the history of Indian cinema, right? Absolutely. Why did you both agree to come together to participate in this film? 
forgetting that the reasons should be for the best script and the, we ever heard or uh, the writing was good, the characters were well defined. All that secondary, the first point is Mr. Rajmori. There is something right he always does. There's something big he always does. And there's something more he generates from his stories and uh, films. And we just wanted to be part of it. And we thought this ensemble coming together, I would have said yes. And working with my brother, Tarak, was a beautiful cherry on the cake, you know. But for either of us, I don't think we would have done this if it was any other director. Mm -hmm. Because we are very careful and we were worried about everything we earned so far. It can fizzle out when we have a beautiful casting like this. We don't know if they can handle, but Raj Mizri is somebody he can handle. Even a Marvel uh, movies or having 10 different superstars sharing the same screen's presence. Raj Mizri is one of those guys. You give him a Mahabharat story, you give him a Marvel story. Everybody is so secure because, you know, this director knows what he's doing and everybody is going to shine in the end. As you said, the director, S.S. Rajamoli, is known for these extravagant action films True. filled with unbelievable stunts, mm -hmm. elaborately designed set pieces, the works. Yeah. The budget for RRR is the largest in Indian film history. Yes. It's around $70 million. Yes. But when you begin shooting in 2018, what was it like day to day to walk onto a set where you're asked to carry such a large film? Was it daunting? I mean, he is this director coming back again after a biggest Indian film, uh, which collected and crossed previous to RRR, that is the Bahubali series one and two. This kind of an eventful, magnum opus kind of films he keeps thinking about. And for us, it is so surreal. It's so unreal when we walk into the sets. I had an out-of-body experience when I was walking. I'm like, who's this guy walking into the sets? And of course, I had to re free focus and say, okay, get your lines first. First, get stop getting enamored by this whole thing. He makes you feel that not only on screen, even on the sets. How does he do that? You know, when we do a great shot, we are all waiting for him, his reaction. He just says, okay, the next shot. That means it was a fantastic shot. He doesn't even have the time to say fantastic, Ram. He very rarely says the biggest thing he says is nice. <laughs> that's it. That's, that means we killed it. You're looking for more of a response, but he just doesn't No, do it's it. just for the first schedule, the first few <laughs> scenes. After that, I'm like, screw it, man. Let me go in my chair and sit down. He's not going to do because it. Because he is so meticulously planned the whole day because each 15 minutes he wastes there is a cost for it. So mm -hmm. he budgets it, uh, budgets the whole day. So he's like, Ram, sorry, I need to move on and set up the next shot and blah, blah, blah. Why don't you guys go sit and relax? I'll call you. So we understand why he does what he does. It's not that he doesn't want to acknowledge. But when you're acting and you're looking around at a sea of extras, yeah. and there are a couple set pieces that remind me of Lawrence of Arabia, the, the, yeah. the, the magnitude and the enormity of it. It's dependent on you not messing up. If you make one false move... It is an expensive... They got to do it all again. How do you not let that overwhelm you? I mean, um, I'm not saying I'm a veteran. I've done so much in so many years. It's just been little less than 15 years. I've been in this industry. I've done 15 films. It's like a switch on and switch off. Like so many people ask me, how do you manage all this crowd when you go out and do thing? And when you sit back in the car, you're like so normal. You talk normal. You just put your chapstick. You're sitting like nothing happened. I'm like, that's how probably we were designed. Mm -hmm. It's not something I really uh, worked on and I've achieved it. It's just an autopilot mode. At the same way, when you're in the sets of Rajmuli, you get enamored. You're so like, you want to tell him, wow, I'm so enamored. I want to do something better. But you know what? You come back. He helps you refocus. And one of the best challenges for me personally as an actor is 
if I am really getting into my director's head and understanding him, everything else is perfect. But if I'm not able to understand my director, I think I have not achieved as an actor what I need to be doing. Does that goalpost or the, do the aims change in terms of what you need to be doing scene to scene? I'm thinking about absolutely those emotional moments, absolutely. then on the dime you have to do these action sequences. And not only that, uh, there are so many layers to my character, uh, Ram Raju, in this film. He is actually fighting for the British against the revolution, the oppression in the Indians. But in fact, he has to hide all that because he's got a deeper story why he is doing what he's doing against his will. And that has to come in many layers. He has to have the poker face because he is emoting for these oppressed people here, but he cannot. He's doing his duty. It is a beautiful character arc. There's so many variations. I thought as an actor, as a person, I grew better. I felt better after doing every day and it didn't feel alien because I'm, I'm personally very connected. I feel I'm very close to this character mm -hmm. in real as well. I don't let out my emotions when it's not necessary. You know, it's, it's, I'm not being an introvert and I'm not also being an extra extrovert. We'll get to some of those emotions okay. in, in, in a little bit. I will. When it comes to the physical toll of this movie, yeah. the shoot goes on for 270 days. You injure your knee in the process. You tear your ACL. And since starting this shoot in 2018, you had to stay in shape through the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah. No pastries, no, no sweets. No, I mean, yeah, we shot two episodes and or three episodes and boom, the pandemic came. All of us stuck. I thought we are in a couple of months, maybe we are going to reopen June. We're going to reopen. No, no, it was 13 months of a break and it was so difficult. And after a week or 10 days of everybody understanding and settled into the mode of the COVID and the lockdown, I get a call from my director. I'm saying, wow, somebody finally remembers me. And I'm like, sir, what's up? How are you doing? Yeah, Ram, it's 30 days. And how is it going? I hope you and your wife are fine. I said, yeah, we are fine. What's happening? Can I get uh, Tarek on the conference? I said, yeah, sure. Then he presses the video. I'm like, why video? It's okay, fine. Everybody wants to see each other. Then we, we are three of us on, on this platform looking at each other. And he says, how are you guys enjoying? What are you guys doing in the morning when you're waking up? I'm like, I'm binge watching ODD stuff and I'm <laughs> chilling, sir. I'm waking up at eight o'clock, nine o'clock. He's like, uh, how's your trainer? I mean, I heard your trainer lives uh, just a block away. So could he walk? up to use, you know, with the mask and blah, blah. I said, what? We're in lockdown. How can anybody get out? But he said, then how about he send your virtual classes? I said, where are you getting with this? You know, what are you trying to tell me? I mean, nothing, Ram. I hope you guys are staying in shape and I want you to take pictures of your virtual class and how you're looking every day. Send me pictures. I'm like, oh my God, take a break. This is lockdown. He was like, um, no breaks for him. Very, very mean principal is not letting his children enjoy the holiday, the weekend. It doesn't <laughs> 10, 10 days, 10 months of a weekend. He was keeping us occupied, interested in the project and keeping us, uh, you know, uh, very uh, motivated to keep the body going. So he said, fine, then Monday to Friday, you're on my schedule. And it's Friday to Saturday, or Sunday, you're on your schedule, your wife, you can do whatever you want. So he kept us, you know, he had a plan even during the pandemic. Even through this period, you had to maintain peak shape. Yeah, I was tortured during the pandemic. You were tortured. <laughs> All of us were binge watching Netflix. Yeah. You were doing push-ups. No, I was doing push-ups. I don't know if you know this, but since the film has come out, yeah. there has been a legion 
of ROM fans on Twitter that have noticed your discipline and hard work. Very excited people. Wow, really? Are you aware of these tweets? I was not aware of these tweets, actually. Well, I have some here for you. All right, uh, Sam. They were curated by uh, Labdi in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. So here's some tweets for you. Maybe you want to read these for on the air for us. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Sam, this is for you. The username is at girl next door. <laughs> Seeing Ram Charan doing push-ups. Makes me restless. AF? <laughs> what the, what, the, what is AF? Okay, whatever. Leave that alone. That's as fuck. Oh. oh, oh You're allowed right. to curse on here. Don't worry. <laughs> so, okay. Let's read the next okay, one. Okay, next one, please. Again, it's her. Ram Charan. Boxing makes me lose my mind. <laughs> Why are you so hot? Shit, I don't know. I think the angle was so good. <laughs> I suffered to get a good angle. Hey, thanks, man. And what is this? Uh, Bhavana at Bhavana 20661318. Arrest me. Take me to solitary cell. <laughs> the way he looks at his gun makes me. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you, guys. I mean, it's so nice. And I love your hearts and emojis. Uh, thank you both. <laughs> so it, it was not all for nothing. I mean, your body, you stayed Absolutely. in shape. Yeah. It stayed in shape. You didn't know this existed? No, I didn't. Thanks. Thanks to you, Sam. Did those make you uncomfortable? I mean, it's just, I think, yeah, it does. Okay, frankly, not uncomfortable, but just a thought that, okay, what's happening here? And probably now I cannot uh, decide the way they are reacting to what they're reacting. But yeah, it'll still not stop me from posting <laughs> if I am. You know, they're they're excitable fans. So true. I see a lots of love in that. There's a lot of love. Absolutely, Even Sam. if it's pent-up sexual it's energy, good. it seems. Yeah, it's an interesting edgy film, like an edgy comment. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to the movie for a second. Mm -hmm. It's gained this global recognition in part because of the not to not to dance sequence. But walk me through how this came to be, because after the pandemic brought everything to a halt, you resume production in 2021 and film this not to not to sequence in Kiev just three months before Russia invades Ukraine. What was that like? I mean, um, to my surprise, now when I think about my trip, you know, this is one country we never uh, thought, frankly, that we should go on a holiday. But that place really surprised me, surprised my wife, surprised my friends. It was so beautiful. The food was great, on par with any metro city in the world I've visited. And the people were so nice. And I was pleasantly shocked. Even the strongest, biggest bodyguards we had, he had a very vulnerable side. Now to realize that there was a war expected in the next three months, to look at it, I used to ask my chauffeur there, saying, why are there a lot of military activities happening around? And there is around because we were shooting in the president's palace. No, sir, it's just for your security and blah, blah, blah. I said, this is not normal security. <laughs> this is like a state guest coming in or a President Obama or somebody like that's the kind of security but they had been anticipating and it is so sad some of the city centers we visited with my family for the restaurant all are gone now in three months and I my heart pours out to all of them and we should add you actually shot that sequence at President Zelensky's palace I mean I'm so thankful to him because he is a movie uh, representative himself he was an actor himself and he understands the value of all this and he was graceful and gracious enough to accept uh, our uh, request I want to actually dive into the sequence sure. because Please. it's been viewed by hundreds of millions of people at yes. this point your director described the sequence as a movie in miniature 
a story within the story. A story. Can you set up that story for people that maybe haven't seen it yet? See, Nadranatu, if it's just a song for entertainment, I don't think it's going to reach people's attention. It wouldn't have grabbed people's attention. But Mr. Rajmali, every sequence has a meaning. Every second in the movie is done with a lot of thought behind it. And having a song like this in today's time without any meaning and sense, I don't think people are going to accept it and it will not reach the Oscars. It had a lot of emotion. It had a lot of drama. Why? Because after this, what the scenes are going to be unfolding, the scenes that are going to be unfolding has a meaning and it is the root of all of that begins from Natu Natu song where the camaraderie, the friendship, the brotherhood, the love between these two guys coming from different worlds, a guy who's coming from a very uneducated and this thing, a guy who's very educated, he knows what he's doing. He's both finding that yin and yang between them and becoming one soul and they're thinking alike, they love each other, they have their back in the song. So that's why even what they're doing, the dance steps, they had to be choreographed like one person was doing it because he wanted to show mind, body, soul, they are one and they've become one. Now that we've talked about it, why don't we take a look at the beginning of the sequence? This is from the film RRR, and the song, which was recently nominated for an Oscar, is called Not To Not To. Here it is. Not samba, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know? Not to? What is not to? When you watch that sequence just now, was there any part of you while making it that thought, okay, I think we have something here. I think this is going to work. Absolutely. Very rare situations you feel that because sometimes you do something, but it does have a greater impact than you thought it is on that day. But this, I knew it had gone, it's going to be a great impact. And we did work so hard. Like each take, sometimes that one you saw with the leg slapping with the hand is, we did about 15 times. And the one with the suspenders, we went around 18, 19 times. Over two days, we shot that. What was harder, the choreography of the dance or the synchronization? It is the synchronization of both these actors because we have our unique style, the unique way of ending the, the step. Uh, it had to be only one, that is the Rajmoli style. And we uh, took a lot of time to get that. How do you do that? Degree-wise, it had to be the same degree of his hands. If it's on the 45 degree or something, my hand literally had to be at 43 or 45. It couldn't be 90 or 80. He used to stop the tape and he used to show us in freeze frames why your hand is angled a bit too much than Tarek or why is Tarek's like a little away from his body? I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Now we realize with all his hard work and what we also put in and the music composer, M.M. Kirwani's amazing beats that we are sitting on this podcast, this all these awards and critics, it's worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. Just to come on Talk Easy. Exactly. Oh, yes, it uh -huh. is. It is. I've been no, waiting it's, it's... all my life to come and sit and have this coffee with you. I'm so sorry if that's true. I... It is true. I hope you call me back again. Same time next year. Damn. It's no surprise, by the way, 
that you are a gifted dancer, considering your family history. Yeah. Growing up in Hyderabad, mm-hmm. as the middle child of three in the late 80s, early 90s, your father was and still is a remarkable dancer and a very famous movie star named Chiranjeevi. Absolutely right. But when it comes to your childhood, you have this quote, you said, I missed my father a lot during my growing up days. He did around eight to nine films a year and he would hardly be home. He would come back at odd hours, so we really didn't interact with each other. I'm curious, since Mm -hmm. he also didn't allow you to watch movies at home, (laughs) did you understand what he did for a living? Like, did it make any sense to you? Yeah, I want to ask him, Dad, do you know what you're doing? (laughs) Why are you doing what you're doing? Because all his awards, all the cinema magazines, everything had to stay in the office in the same building. We had an office right below. And by mistake, if I was in the office getting some stationery and I take a book and I come back and he sees me in the main house, the main villa, any of his pictures, no picture of his was in the main house. Even of art, which was gifted by a fan or a beautiful artist, a famous Indian artist who drew my dad and gave him as a gift, it all stays in the office. He didn't want the influence of his work coming into his residence. Why was that? I really don't know. I think probably he thought, you know, it's a very glamorous, it's a very tempting and attractive industry where if people have to be normal, and he tried to keep it as normal as possible. He tried to make us feel like you are not having a superstar father. You don't think... It's going to come so easy for you. You have to work hard probably. I don't know what was going on, but whatever he did is right because I'm still able to pay my EMIs and keep it going. And uh, yeah, I'm still doing pretty well. It's because of his upbringing and the way it was. He never even told me, let me train you to be an actor. He never asked me, do you want to? He took that separation so seriously. He was. That the moment your friends or teachers found out you were his son, mm-hmm. he would take you out of that school and put you in a new one. Oh, really? Where yes. did I say this? I, okay. I, I, in, uh, in the Times of India in 2013. Right. Probably when he gets to know I might be pampered too much or maybe my remarks and my, my grades were going off track for sure. And that obviously is coming from somewhere being pampered child in this school, the VIP syndrome that mm-hmm. kicks into the school and saying to make sure we take care. That is definitely one of the reasons. And also my grades going down eventually. I changed eight schools and three colleges. That's a lot. Yeah. Every school, I could not stay more than two years. <laughs> what was that like going from school to school? Me, I don't know. Sometimes it was the reasons of disciplinary issues and sometimes grades. Sometimes maybe when they put me in a boarding far away in the mountains, in the hills, and I was acing it in the sports. I was the captain of volleyball, basketball, I was track and field, and my grades are going below 30, 31, 32. So my dad is like, I don't think this guy is going to reach the Olympics, so let me pull him out of that. (laughs) Did you not like school? Me? I don't know. I love school, of course. Every day I'm going to spend time with my best friends, but I don't know if I I like academics uh, much, but I like some subjects like math and history, but rest of them didn't. So I don't know what to do with those two subjects in my life. <laughs> history I was okay with. Math? No. Nah, I don't know. 
Oh goodness. I can't do it. So were you were you a kind of troublemaking kid? I think I was normal and did that looked like I was a troublemaker. I don't know. That was normal. That felt normal to me. You and your friend <laughs> would sneak out through the grill paneling of oh, windows. Oh my goodness. Yeah, my actor friend uh, Mr. Rana Dagupari. He was a huge guy. It was difficult. He was 63 and 38A winch waist then. And it was difficult to fit that guy in that grill. Yeah, how did you do that? We had to go out. And I, like I told you, my dad doesn't allow me. There is a curfew. So I'm like, fine, like, get some books and come back to my room. And we were doing combined studies, we call it. I asked him, if you come to my house without a screwdriver, you're not going to be allowed. He, didn't want, he was wondering why. And he came. He took the screwdriver, opened the grill. We beautifully went out, did everything. We jumped from my balcony into the other person's uh, compound wall to my friends uh, behind me, my neighbors. And then I had to chase by the dog for a bit. And then I jumped out of his gate. That's where my car was waiting, outside my neighbor's gate. And I got in. I got back the same way. I got the dog some treats. We woke up and it was a Sunday. So basically we went out on a Saturday. And I thought we did fantastic. And Monday morning I went to school. I come back. My mom was cleaning. I was just checking on my beautiful window for the next weekend as well. And the nails were not screwed, but they were hammered. She hammered the window with all the nails. I'm like, who hammers windows? It's, it's screws. And then in the lunch break, she said, what the hell did you guys do? Dad got to know. I said, dad didn't get to know. I'm sure you told him. <laughs> it's good to know, no matter where you are in the world, it's, it's, it's a pastime that most people do. Mm-hmm. You just got to sneak out every now and then. Have to. A lot of times. That was you as a teenager. Yeah. But I want to go back to that quote, you know, seeing your father go off to all these shoots and make all these films, the absence of him, which you often talk about, what do you make of that now as someone who's soon to be a father? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I never felt it like it was uh, something I was missing. Yes, I did see him less. I never felt, damn, I wish I have more time with him because it's like a person who's born blind doesn't know the value of having sight. Uh. It's something like that. I was born in a situation where we never saw my dad so often. I thought it was normal for me. So we never used to disturb him. It was a rule of the house that we spend that 30 minutes while he removes his costume and dress. That's the same time also we interact with him. So he's playing with us, he's removing his dress, he's getting into his pajamas. And eating is the time we spend with him. And right after we eat, we sleep and he sleeps. Mm. So it was a very, very normal thing for us. <laughs> it was just normal because that's all you that's all that's you all knew. That's all I knew. Yeah. yeah. Right. And your mother, how did she handle that? I mean, I guess uh, my mom, I think 18 people used to live in my house. It was like a big house with all my dad's family, everybody. And we had uh, dinner set up at 12.30. The last person eating was at 4 o'clock. So that's how many <laughs> batches of people. So it was like big joint family. And everybody... She was cooking all that? I mean, yeah, we had staff. We had about 10, 15 staff. Each of them had, had different preferences. One wanted the saltless. So it was oh. a crazy madhouse when I was growing up. 18 people. Everybody working towards that one man, uh, my dad, to perform these 18 hours, these 18 people. What do you mean by that? All of them were related to the art, the industry, the entertainment, helping him. One of them was a producer for him. One of them was taking care of the security and others doing the meetings. So all of them used to come and bunk in the same house and spend time, a lot of time together. This madness was pretty normalized. Yeah. 
he came from a below middle class family his father was uh, a cop in charge of you know alcohol ex uh, implementing officer like he would just go he's called the excise department when any with something to do with smuggling alcohol and stuff like a very small guy earning very less money so coming from there he bought all the guys who were his cousins and everybody back from that small village and brought them to the city and made something good for them After the break, more from actor Ram Charan. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Even though he tried to separate family from career, you do decide to become an actor in the mid-2000s. Around the age of 21, your father attempted to give you lots of advice, to which you initially said, as quoted in the Times of India, Dad, let me do it my own way. That was the first time I had given it back to him, and because I was not taking his help, I was becoming dark and angry. 
When you say dark and angry, what did that look like? You know what, Sam, you are bringing, <laughs> you're surfacing a lot of things which I even forgot in my life and think I would have said that. I don't know if I really said, of course, you would have done your research and it must be coming popping out in one of the interviews. It's in a couple of them at, yeah. a, at a certain period. As a typical alphas and living in the same, under the same roof, of course, this happens. And the pros and cons of living together in India, we all live together. It's not like a shame. You're still living with the parents like in the, in the US. It's quite normal there. <laughs> We contribute to the house and the running of the house, sometimes equally or sometimes a little more and a little less. And this alphaness comes and probably I also felt I didn't want to repeat. He should just be a very inspiring person, but not somebody I just want to replicate. Mm -hmm. So that was my fear. It is coming from the fear of uh, having my own style and my own way of doing things outside the screen and inside on screen as well. And probably I would have definitely said that, that it's good enough, then you should let me be. Otherwise, unless I'm, I'm just going to really, really harm me, I think uh, you shouldn't let me do what I want. What did he think? I don't know. Maybe he thought I was okay doing my, doing well for myself. So he didn't actually, even a bad film when it comes today, I would, I would actually go and ask him, Dad, tell me, what did I do wrong? I said, probably the whole film was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's like, well, let me tell you what, what did you do right? Maybe that's easier. Mm. And he never went into the crux of it and say, as an actor, you could have dealt with the scene differently. No, I think he was so good and sticking to that thing or that statement, which I would have made to him that till today, he enjoyed my journey and, he saw me and he was recently telling me how proud he was. He's 67 now and he's shooting three films are on floor for him. And he's like, you're doing very well. I'm happy for you. And I know like how I took care of the family. You will take care of the family. I think overall it worked out good. There must be, in general, mm -hmm. in a family, there's always yeah. tensions and there's, there's always problems. Mm -hmm. And there's always love yeah. if you're lucky. You've talked a lot about the competition between your father, your cousins, your yeah. family, like your, oh, the people. Eight actors. Them. Eight actors. I get competitive <sighs> playing pickup basketball. I mean, how how do you guys manage this? I think I don't think we have achieved uh, how to manage it. I think it's a practice. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a new way, new challenges coming within. There's going to be healthy competition sometimes. They're going to be something bitter. And that is family. Like I said, in India, the pros and cons of living together, doing the same thing. Everybody came from this huge umbrella, which he opened and he shadowed. Everybody is in that umbrella. Somebody get, trying to get out of the umbrella, creating his own umbrella. So we are not interdependent. But yes, it all started from the root. That is him who came from nowhere and he got all the nephews and nieces into the same industry. But I shouldn't be lying. But of course, we have a lot of bitter days sometimes a lot of competition, probably he got the best director, another director I wanted to work with <laughs> and stuff like that. And he, that year I would have had two flops and he would have had two mega hits. I'm like, shit, I need to. So, but as a person, when you don't get work into the house, which he always did during the festivals of India, like it's the Holy Festival, the Color Festival or the Cracker Festival. We used to come together, have dinner, sorry, lunch, dinner. And again, the next day breakfast, he used to make sure we don't talk about our work. I never used to speak to my cousins about, hey, you know what? I just did that scene with Rajmoli with the horses and the firecrackers bursting and Tarak was in the water. We never speak about work. We just speak about family, love. How do we go for the next family holiday? He did that for us. He practiced it. Well, since I'm not part of the family, I do want to talk about work 
a little bit. Please. The first time you work with director Rajmali is in 2009. It's in a film called Magadira, which is another action film. But between the release of, of that film and RRR, your director says he's seen an evolution in your work. He recently sat down with The New Yorker and said, the first time I worked with him was his second major role. He was a bit raw at the time. He had a lot of energy, a lot of charm, and can do his action moves or dance moves or sentimental moves with ease. But he was still learning a few acting nuances. By the time he came to RRR, he developed a completely new trait, which I haven't seen with anyone else. Even though he always knows the story and what he needs to do in a scene, he somehow keeps his mind completely clear. He comes to me and says, look, I'm a blank page. You can draw whatever you want on me. I don't know how Sharon developed that art. I'm a little surprised at any given take. I can never guess what he's going to deliver. What do you make of that that analysis from him? Let me tell you, I, I mean, like he said, of course I know the script. I know my role. I know my part. But I just cannot think I know everything. When I walk into the sets every time in front of the camera, I want to know I know something I'm missing. I think I know something less, which I'm not able to understand probably. So that I look like I'm not understanding or maybe I need a little more guidance. I like to interact with my director as much as possible, not just in the beginning of the movie and once in a while, but every, every day, every scene, because there is no going back to the sets. These are one of the most expensive sets. You are not going to come back to these sets. And like I said, today as an actor, the only challenge I have is, am I getting into my director's head and understanding what it is? Because you cannot read people's mind and read people's faces. I need to crack it now. So I don't feel ashamed in asking my director a thousand questions, but I will get that one shot perfectly. And I know he will move ahead to the next. I'm fascinated by that, that evolution, yeah. though, because he says you're now able to keep your mind clear. Yeah. But in doing so, what did you have to clear away to arrive at that place as a performer? I think uh, you need to unlearn a lot of things. What all you've learned, your experiences on these 14 movies you've done before, you can't keep thinking, yes, director, I got it, you know, I got you. Sit at the monitor, I will, I will, I will do it. Everything I learned, everything I thought before I walk into the sets, I have to just unlearn and leave so I have space for my director to tell me and I can grasp it and I can fill the bottle with what his thoughts were also. Mm -hmm. And then I bring my thoughts and together we accumulate this whole journey of that one shot. If that's what we see, you know, in the frame, I want to talk about what the work means out in the world. With the success of RRR, how are you thinking about the lines between Hollywood and, and Bollywood and Hollywood, I mean, you know, the Indian film industry has often been separated by region and language. Can you explain some of that history and then where you think RRR fits into it? One of the most beautiful parts of uh, India or coming to India is you take an hour flight, the topography is different, the language is different, the people look completely different. Every state speaks a different language. They were brought up different. The cultures are so different from north to south. And uh, when we celebrate others' cultures, it's just a very guest thing we do. It's not like we know. And the beauty is there is some kind of unity in all this diversity, and we have to respect that culture. And that has seeped into our movies. Every state has a unique movie experience. But today, 
Mr. Rajmouri and us and all of us are trying to push this saying, we should blur these words, burn these words, blur these lines and make it called the Indian film industry where today Raj is actually going and working somewhere else. The actors from the other industry are coming. So together, you have your own industry, you have your own language, but also the larger cinema, the, where all the 24 or 28 states of India can watch sitting in a theater. Because it's been segregated for so long. Yes, yes. It was just impossible for us to go work in a Hindi film. We never saw a Hindi director coming and directing uh, in South. Why is that? Oh, God, because... <sighs> Thanks to the government, sometimes they say the national language is Hindi. Like here you have a national language or what? It's not say then your constitution, but it's English. Everybody commonly speaks. So Some better than others, but yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, but I guess there the, the government declared Hindi as a national language and every other state were reluctant to accept that because they felt their language, which has thousands of years of history, why shouldn't it be called the national language? Part of the reason the film seems to have blurred the lines between these industries is because of the massive success that it's become. Here are some numbers for you. The film has made more than $160 million at the box office worldwide. It has been streamed 45 million hours on Netflix, making it the most watched film in the history of the platform. Whoa. Even in the film's release in the U.S., it drew an audience that is more than 60% non-Indian. So new audience. New audience. Why do you think this film has broken past barriers that previously seemed impenetrable? I think uh, more than us doing a good film and that's why it reached, I think people had some kind of a connection with this film. You know, I've actually not dwelled in this thought of why people have connected as much as we see today. Uh, not only us and people who know us, but people in the West, in the Far East, in Japan, it is doing the highest any foreign film from India. Now I'm asking you to dwell. I don't know, you know. You should be ask, telling me from an outside perspective, what did your friends say? What did your family say? If they have seen it, if they're not, please go see it. Some of them have. So I really want to know what is it they like and probably I can take this back home and this is like doing a survey. So I think it's a little bit of what I referenced in the beginning of this talk, which is... These massive set pieces do harken back to a time in movies that I think people miss. I don't think they know they miss it. Oh, right. But when I referenced Lawrence of Arabia, for example, the enormity of it, mm -hmm. the human achievement of it, it's something that we have kind of forgotten in the age of, of green screen and all this technology that has kind of replaced the mass human achievement yeah. that requires thousands of extras yeah. to come together for a scene that has to be done right. Like Ben-Hur. Like Ben-Hur. Absolutely right. And seeing that, there's something truly like remarkable about watching yeah. that unfold. The hardship that would have gone through to put yes. together a mammoth production like how, this. How easily a mistake could Can occur happen. and, and ruin, the whole, ruin the whole scene. Wow, you're scaring me now. If that ever actually happened. <laughs> no, it's a perfect film. There's no, nothing wrong. I guess uh, the genre itself cannot be decided of this film, in fact. Yes. It's got multi-genre. It's got uh, action. It's got drama. It's got brotherhood. It's got love with Sita and my, my love interest. And it's got this nationalism with the British and the oppression and the war sense at that time. It is satisfying, mm -hmm. this movie. When people have asked you why it has broken through, you've said before, cinema is an emotional language. And RRR has made people dance, laugh, and cry. Yeah. 
What do you mean by that? Cinema is an emotional language. No, no, I don't mean cinema is an emotional language. Cinema has one language, which is the emotion. So any emotion in that movie which you're watching on Netflix or the theater has to connect to you and has to find uh, feel it real. And it is it doesn't have to be what you see in your everyday life, but whatever the director's perspective, it should look real at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person, yes, I watch realistic cinema. Uh, I watch uh, hard-hitting realistic films which bring most of the critical awards and critics. But I also want to watch eventful, fictional, larger-than-life films. Like one of my favorite films was Terminator. I watched it more than 50 times on the LED in those days. And Gladiator is one of my best films. All Mel Gibson's movies, Patriot, Braveheart. So I was, I grew up, it's my personal choice. I grew up watching these eventful big films. You know, you're mentioning all these American films. Yeah. And I'm curious, in the aftermath of RRR's success, You've said that you're open to working outside India, here in America, in the years to come. Yes, Sam. If that's something you do want to do here in Hollywood, have those conversations begun? I mean, what do those talks sound like? I mean, I would like to work in every country where a great cinema is appreciated and there is an audience who really love your work. And wherever the camera rolls, I want to be there. You don't wish for it. You can plan towards it and let it happen. And we are in talks, definitely. So it has happened. So yeah, the talks are happening and how they're going to transcend into movie and me walking into a set. It's definitely going to be uh, news that is going to come out in a couple of months. If and when you do work here yes, sir. in the U.S., what are some directors or actors in your mind that you would love to work with? Like who's on that short list for you? One of the top actors right now I want to work with any kind of a scenario in a scene in a movie is Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts has a lot of fans in India and... Uh, I can also be part as a guest. Julia Roberts. Yes, I think she was. She's top fan. of the list. She is top of my list. She's inspiring. Who else is on there? I mean, who doesn't like Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and Julia Roberts? Everybody loves them, and I'm a boring guy. I have the same guys who I love them too. Brad Pitt may be tough because you're often called the Brad Pitt of India. I'm pleasantly surprised because I only look up to him. I never think I am him. Let me tell you something. Here's the difference between you and Brad Pitt. If Brad Pitt was making a movie in the pandemic. There is no way he would have avoided pastries and no? sweets. <laughs> There's no way he would have kept the body up the way you did. Yeah, I had my cheat days. I can tell Brad you have you have your weekend coming up. Oh, okay. So you give Brad permission <laughs> yeah, to do the weekend. Yeah, let party and have some sweets. <laughs> you may, if you haven't already, end up having a chance to tell Brad Pitt that in person this coming Sunday when you're at the Oscars. Yeah. The fact that you are there... I wonder, like, what does that mean to you in this moment? Because you've said, showing up at the Oscars, I'm not just an individual. Yeah. I'm talking for 1.4 billion people who have really come together on a national level. Yes. How do you carry that weight? All the people which I'm talking for about, even they don't know what this will be doing for them and the country. Unless it happens, it has to happen on the 11th or 12th of March. And then they should realize what it actually meant. You cannot comprehend the result of that day. It is sentimental. It's emotional for all of us. It is emotional for my dad who's sitting there because he, I remember before taking this flight to US, he said, do you know what is happening? In 154 films he's done and 42 years he's been working. He did come to Oscars in the 80s as just an invite as an actor from India. And that itself, he felt it was like a big achievement then. 
But today we are nominated. We were in the probable list and then nomination. And then we are waiting for that, you know, beautiful announcement if it, if it happens. This is huge. And he told me the value of it as kids and maybe younger uh, uh, actors. We don't know as we just experienced this so early in our career. He knows the value and a lot of other people who don't know it is, I truly believe that we are praying this for everybody else in India, not just uh, actors, but just India in a different ways, like India winning an Olympic gold medal. I don't run, but I'll only know the value of it when my sports person holds the India with the gold medal. Mm. So it is like Oscar is like one of the gold medal in <laughs> Olympics. I think it's going to happen for you. Thanks, Sam. I really wish to. If and when it does... You know, we talked about the history of Indian film. Already, you folks have made history with this movie. And I wonder, for yourself and maybe for your future, how you see yourself in that history. You t Seeing that makes me feel choked a bit, and it's really heavy. It's not a joke also, but there is a sense of this responsibility on you. At the same time... Um, it is a sense of responsibility, firstly, and then uh, you know it should not be a one-time thing. It should be a very recurring situation for us. Henceforth, mm. we should be. It should become very normal for us. And RRR and the audience here have given uh, so much of appreciation, and I think we should take it as a responsibility. And all the filmmakers, I think, should thrive to come here, and all the actors should experience this as well and make it a very common phenomenon. Why choked up? Choked up is, as I'm talking, I know a lot of people want this for India, not for RRR. RRR is a platform where this journey is going to come or it's just a, a way of achieving what India wanted to see last 85 years. I feel, yes, it is through RRR and through M.M. Kirwani Garu's great song, but on the larger aspect, it is for somebody who's been waiting to see this happen. It's like the independence from the British and when they ruled us for 300 years, everybody wished for it. It never happened. It's something like that. All the hardworking directors and people in the industry in the movie who worked for 85 years, the final goal is to be recognized on a world platform. It's not that they have got any less recognition or they have earned less, but it's just another recognition on a world platform. Well, it is happening. Thank you so much, Sam. And uh, if it's any consolation, the film and your work in it are recognized on this show. And I have a feeling, I don't know, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling uh, Sunday night's going to be pretty good. I would really love for that to happen. Thank you, Sam. I'll really remember you if that happens. Absolutely, I will remember you. And you'll know that. It means a lot. Thank you. Ram Sharan, an honor. Me too. Thank you. That's our show. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to give us five stars on Spotify, Apple, wherever you do your listening. I want to give a special thanks today to Sally Olmstead, Swami Nath, Divergent PR, and of course, Ram Sharan. RRR is available on Netflix. It's also in select theaters across the country. To learn more about Ram and his work, 
be sure to visit our website at talkeasypod.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd recommend our talks with Pedro Pascal, Ethan Hawke, Kate Blanchett, Questlove, Matthew McConaughey, Porna Jagannathan, and Laura Dern. To hear those and more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at TalkEasyPod. If you want to support our show by purchasing one of our mugs that come in cream or navy, you can do so at TalkEasyPod.com shop. As always, Talk Easy is produced by Caroline Reebok. Our executive producer is Janik Sobravo. Our associate producer is Caitlin Dryden. Today's talk was edited by Caitlin Dryden and mixed by Andrew Vastola. Our assistant editors are Clarice Guevara and Lindsay Ellis. Our music is by Dylan Peck. Our illustrations are by Trisha Shenoy. Photographs today are by email Ravello. Video and graphics by Ian Chang, Derek Gamberzak, Ian Jones, Ethan Seneca, and Layla Register. Special thanks to Patrice Lee, Kaylin Ung, and Paulina Suarez. I'd also like to thank our team at Pushkin Industries, Justin Richmond, Julia Barton, John Schnars, Carrie Brody, David Glover, Heather Fain, Eric Sandler, Nicole Morano, Morgan Ratner, Jordan McMillan, Isabella Navarez, Mike Koenig, Carly Migliori, Jason Gambrell, Malcolm Gladwell, and Jacob Weisberg. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you back here this Oscar Sunday. Until then, stay safe and so long. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.